Looking to organise an event or break into events? Or perhaps you're already a seasoned organiser? No matter where your experience sits, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Events Unpacked podcast. Learn how to go from good to great, how to embrace industry challenges and activate success in your organisation or career. Now welcome your host, Francesca Peskovs. Hello listeners and welcome to Events Unpacked. Today my guest is Claire Bryant. Claire spent the last two decades working in the home entertainment industry for major movie studio 20th Century Fox and a small independent distributor, Anchor Bay. During her career, she's had to find innovative ways to market content and has used events and live marketing as a way to cut through to consumers and trade partners. Today, Claire shares her insights on success in this super competitive market. Hello and welcome, Claire, to the show. Thank you. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, it's been, uh, uh, it's great to have you on and uh, um, let's get straight into it. So, uh, this show is all about finding out about, you know, your role in the industry as well as um, events. So, our first question is, what was your first role in the industry and how did you uh, get into marketing and uh, slash events? So, my first marketing role, I was in the pharmaceutical industry. I worked across brands like Centrum um, and Anadine in the UK. And then uh, I didn't do that for too long from there. I went into a marketing role with 20th Century Fox. And at Fox, I was working across all of their TV portfolio and their kids' product, uh, working across all their content. Uh, and that's really when my um, both marketing and really my uh, exposure to events started. Um, at Fox, we used to do a lot of events, both to promote titles and obviously to to show our slate and our lineup to buyers and, and media partners. Great. And um, how did that um, sort of shape you for the future? So, in terms of, you know, I started on probably the smallest titles that Fox had and, and not particularly glamorous titles. Um, kids' titles weren't particularly a focus for Fox. In fact, they ended up selling them in the end. But I think on some of those type of titles, you can take a few risks because not all eyes are on uh, some of those products. So, it's not like you're working on Star Wars where everybody has an opinion. So, you can take a few risks, but you also have to find different resources and for me, a lot of that was working in partnership with other small brands to create a bit more of a, a, a bit more reach and a bit more uh, awareness about my product. So I think what, what it allows you to do when you're not necessarily working on the big projects is to have a bit, a bit more fun with something and, and take a few risks. And also if you bring on other brands, say, does that also sometimes increase your budget as well a little bit because they invest a little bit? Exactly right. So I did um, a promotion with uh, a chain in the UK called Wimpy, and they're actually um, a chain of quite old-fashioned uh, hamburger joints, um, but there are a lot of them in the UK, and uh, Power Rangers, which was, wasn't a particularly had been around for a long time, uh, was something that I, I partnered with Wimpy on, and we created a whole promotion around Power Rangers in store, and uh, it was the first time that there'd been a partnership on Power Rangers for about five or six years, and Wimpy were pretty excited to work with 20th Century Fox, and so between the you know between the two brands, we managed to create a really nice little campaign. So I think 
what it just allows you to do with partnerships exactly right is to, is to get double the budget. Yeah, and these days it is all about collaboration and, uh, you know, finding like-minded brands and products to um, sort of, you know, promote, you know, give more leverage and even through the social media side of things that obviously today. Uh, So so going through your career, obviously you've, you know, had very sort of similar roles in a way. Uh, What was your, what's your best skill do you think and how has that sort of um, assisted you through your career? I think the, the, the main thing for me, if I have a look at having to point out to one thing, I think with me it's very important that anything that I do in terms of a campaign or creative or an event is that I understand how that's going to translate into uh, the consumer journey. What are, we, what are we after the consumer to do with what it, whether or not it's advertising or an event or a partnership? What role does it play? And I'm very clear about when I do something – where it is in the funnel, uh, or with my team now, when they come forward with with a proposition, what role is that? What what are the objectives that we're looking to get out of that particular um, campaign or event or whatever it might be? And I think that's my skill in that um, I I really understand how that's going to eventually lead down that conversion path to a sale. Yeah, so ultimately, you know, the goalpost, making sure there's good return on investment as well and that, you know, obviously it reaches its, you know, KPIs, a, a project as well. It's not just your your part in it. Yeah, and I think, I think what it does, if you're very clear about your objectives, like the objectives might not necessarily be, you know, I want to create 100,000 units of sell-through from this particular project um, or event, but I'm clear about I want to create awareness with this. And it actually gives your stakeholders a bit more comfort in that they know exactly why you're doing something. And I think what it's allowed me to, to achieve in the, my career anyway has been that it has allowed me to actually invest in more risky projects because I'm very clear about what it's for. And so whilst it sounds a bit dry to say be really clear about your objectives, it does often mean that you're able to take more risks because you're very clear about it. Yeah, I think it's a framework, you're right, because I think if you always know what your objectives are, you can relax a little bit and and, and explore some other things and, and, and other concepts or strategies and know that in the end you're still making sure that it actually meets the objectives that you've set rather than going off on a tangent and doing something that's, you know, just going to be gratuitous <laughs> yeah. rather than actually uh, reach the uh product or brand's goals. So that's that's a really good piece of advice. Um, so Claire, tell us a little bit about one project that you're most proud of. So there's a, there's a lot of projects that uh, I've been involved in over the years. We've used events a lot to create additional content or awareness for, for our brands. Um, I think one of my early events that I was really uh, proud of was um, over in the UK, a new little movie, which I'm sure you're aware of, but at the time was quite small. Uh, we had a new franchise called Ice Age and we hadn't had the cinema release when we were planning that home entertainment um, release. So we had to go to partners and, and plan the budget pretty cold in terms of what we thought the franchise might do, even though we, when we saw the film, we knew that it was it was pretty good and we knew that there was it was a very easy kind of concept for, for kids to, to understand. So we went to British Telecom, um, and they, which is um, the UK's kind of equivalent of Telstra, and 
they got on board um, very much in terms of generating awareness for us as a partnership um, and we were able to tap into a lot of their consumer base. But the one thing that they did allow us to do was to take over the British Telecom Tower in London and they haven't let any partner um, hold an event up there before and and I, as I understand it, nobody's allowed to um, anymore. So what we did with that was because we were positioning a new franchise, we wanted to make sure that the buyers for each of the retailers that we were involved with and our media partners really saw Ice Age as the next big thing. And so we created a, a winter wonderland up at, uh, in the top floor of the BT Tower overlooking London. We had an event company um, that uh, – made it snow from the top of the tower. Everything was themed white and blue, including the drinks and the food. Um, you'd be surprised how, how much kind of light blue food you can actually uh, create. <laughs> um, but what it did, it positioned that title as, as a big deal. Um, and it really made sure that the retailers got behind the title. And, and I say it became quite a, a big franchise, not because of that, but because it's a great movie. But I think from there, it really positioned myself and Fox as doing something different and really getting behind their content. How did you kind of leverage that beyond where the event was actually held? We uh, we had media partners come to the event and we also had, uh, in the couple of weeks before we were having it, we used, I mean, this is a little while ago, so this is the, the, the days when daytime TV and breakfast TV were quite big. We had uh, people to win a spot at the top of the BB, the, the, the BT Tower. Um, so we were able to do a lot of pre-promotion on TV. Uh, now it would be social um, to get people and families to come up and meet the Ice Age characters and, and be at the top of the rotating BT Tower and overlook London. So a lot of it was about pre-awareness and also it was great for the sales guys to use this event to talk to their buyers about. You know, we're, we're always looking for points of difference um, and Fox as, a, as an organisation was, was always looking to, to do things a little bit differently and so this gave us a, something to talk to buyers about. Yeah, definitely. The buyers and the media come to a lot of events and the only way to get people, and I know myself from producing in all different industries, uh, the industry media um, have sort of seen it all. So um, you need to have them be intrigued, and then once you've got there, get, got them there, you need to give them something different so that you know you stand out in the newsfeed going forward. You know that's the thing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, great. So we all know a bit about the big idea, how it sometimes starts off great um, and, you know, often can get a little bit diluted by um, stakeholders or practical kind of concerns. I guess sometimes, you know, initially I know myself, we've worked on many, many, many campaigns and you start off with this great idea and then it, people sort of chip away at it a little bit and it gets diluted and then eventually you think, well, maybe, we, sh you know, we should have probably not gone ahead with that idea idea anymore because it's, you know, it didn't really cut through anymore. Have you um, got an example of how that sort of happened to you before or how even an example around how you've maintained that sort of creative idea and remaining true to it? With home entertainment, I think one of the things that we have to remember is that we are looking to push the home entertainment release. So, 
that we come after cinema, after the theatrical guys have spent a lot of time generating awareness. And so a lot of the time what I say to my team is you have to think about why someone's going to buy this. You're not generating awareness. That awareness is there. And so that has to come through in our central ideas. So, for example, when we had Deadpool 2, the key selling point for Deadpool 2, we didn't need to sell the movie. People knew what it was. But the key selling point was that on home entertainment, there was an extra 20 minutes of footage. And it was good 20 minutes. It wasn't just rubbish that had been put back into the movie. And so the way that we themed the event was everything was about being a bit bigger. And because it was um, Deadpool, we could be a little bit, you know, funny and quirky about the things that you could be a bit bigger with. You mean cheeky and rude. (laughs) (laughs) Originally. I mean, cheeky saying that. Yeah, so no, we, uh, uh, um, so we started off trying to theme, um, we, we wanted to have an event and we wanted to bring people to um, to the event. And, and as you say, people are getting invited, media particularly influencers, get invited to an awful lot of events. So we had to kind of make it feel like it was they were going to obviously have a good time and, and make it feel like worthwhile. Um, I think we did start off with a cheekier and rude idea. Uh, we wanted to hold the event in in what was a King's Cross strip joint by night. Um, We were obviously going to be there during the day, um, but US stakeholders kind of kiboshed that. So um, we still created quite a grungy uh, bar. We recreated Sister Margaret's, but everything was bigger and better, including like we sourced hot hot dogs and hot dog buns that were just a little bit bigger than normal. The drinks were just that little bit bigger. Um, And... What it did, it gave us a central theme that actually everything we did in store, we made it a bit bigger. We did, and and that was the thing that went through some of our advertising. And obviously, because it is a bit a little bit cheeky, it does it does grab attention and cut through. But it then is is a very clear selling message, um, and so everything was a little bit upsized. Uh, and that that was a thing that kind of went through and able to carry through in, even into store. So that worked pretty well. Yeah, good. And that sort of a- answers the challenge question a little bit as well. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that you're pointing out there is, you, you know, the, the below the line campaign is is part of a bigger campaign, which is the above the line and below below the line together. And you have to work out what that key message is and what's going to cut through to the audience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So um, digital and social are a huge part of the event mix and I thought it might be good to um, share an event or experience that you created and how you integrated that into your campaign and experience. I think obviously digital and social play a huge part in particularly pre-awareness and then for us, as I said, we're a second window in creating content um, that we can use um, for for the release. Um, I think one of the t- one of the campaigns that we did, and we uh, this was something that we worked with you on at Event Emporium, is that we created the the hab on circular key for the Martian, and that was and, and again that was you know quite challenging in terms of making sure that stakeholders understood why we were doing that because there was obviously a considerable investment in in creating. Um, a building as such on on circular key and and getting somebody to man that 
Um, but what that created for us was that, if you don't know the movie, so The Martian, uh, Matt Damon is left on Mars and he has to kind of survive in this almost kind of, it looks a bit like a big greenhouse. And that's what we had to create um, on Circular Key. Um, and we got um, a guy who's currently training to potentially go to Mars in a few years' time um, to be in the hab. And what that created for us was, a lot of digital content where people could, or we had him in that hab for five days. Um, and what that created was um, people could interact with him, anything from asking him um, about his preparation for, for going to Mars through to what songs that he had to listen to through on Spotify. Um, he also created content that we could use that went out to schools um, and also it gave us media um, content so we could share. We created a website. We, you know, we were watching him 20, 24 hours a day and we created a website that we could, um, people can interact and ask him questions. So aside from being something that created a lot of media uh, noise for us um, and also just created general engagement and a different uh, a different kind of news piece for people to engage with the movie, which had been really popular at cinemas. Um, it did give us a lot of ongoing content. Um, I think another area where we've created um, good social engagement has been where we've worked with sporting clubs. So we worked with the Western Bulldogs, for example, um, uh, with a title called Home for DreamWorks. Um, and we created an awful lot of content Prior to, we showed the movie um, at a game, prior to the game. But what we did was that we showed the movie to players um, and their family um, uh, in the weeks leading up to that. Uh, we shared a lot of social content of them kind of interacting with the characters. Again, we did competitions for people to come and walk on the field with the characters from home. So a lot of it is about, you know, tapping into the social assets of the, of the sporting clubs before um, and, and, and creating that noise before. And then obviously you get lots of lovely clips um, when you do an event afterwards to, to use. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're such unique projects and what we'll do is we'll include um, some information on those projects in the show notes. But um, one of the things I remember the great thing with the Martian was, you know, it was designed um, to be measured its KPIs on, you know, its social and digital reach. However, it also did get quite a good physical um, face, you know, like a, a physical event, um, you know, success as well with people coming down to, to view the spectacle of someone being in a live hab, you know, 24 seven um, with, you know, like we had yoga classes and, and, and it was, you know, kind of switched over almost into that educational space as well, where people could learn about what life and Mars would actually be like. So, uh, you know, that was another way of uh, leveraging the campaign into some other areas. Yeah, absolutely. That The HAB, I think, you know, initially, and it goes back to kind of really understanding your objectives. Initially, uh, the team came uh, to me and to the managing director at the time and said, you know, we, this is what we want to do and we, we think we found somebody that can help us actually achieve this and we've got a really good candidate to be in the HAB. Um, but they were very clear about the media that they thought they could generate and you could really equate that back to 
what that would have cost us to buy. And so it made that decision a lot easier to do that. And then, as you say, it took on a life of its own with, with people doing yoga outside the hub and we had weather crosses um, come down. We had Nova Radio come down and do live broadcasts from there. So it, it actually ended up generating a lot more media than we had originally budgeted for. Yeah, we did VR as have, well. You could go on to Mars and journey through Mars right. through VR. So it had lots of different facets to it. Absolutely. And that's where you have to obviously make a decision. So we had to take money that we would have done from a traditional advertising campaign and decide that that was the way that we were going to spend it. And so we have to be really clear about what we think the outcome is going to be. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right, and I think look, there's a you know question I love to ask around defining success about an event or experience, and I think you've sort of almost um, answered that along the way. So I guess the second part of that is really like you know how would you measure success, and sort of what tools do you use to do that? So I mean, there, there's there's a hard kind of fact that you can talk about the. The, the amount of social and the amount of media that you get and you can actually put a value on that. Um, the other thing is the doors that it sometimes opens up to you. So we've had events where we don't normally get fairly senior people in organisations like, say, a big W um, to attend or JB Hi-Fi to attend. Uh, but if the event feels like you know, they're going to get something out of it. So we had an event where we had somebody from Weta, which is the New Zealand um, company that create a lot of the special effects for Lord of the Rings, and they also did Planet of the Apes. And we had a very engaging guy come and speak for that. And that opened doors up to us to invite uh, people that we don't normally kind of get coming over. And that then allowed us to have ongoing conversations about the category and Fox. And um, so... Sometimes it's hard to, to, to actually put a number against that. Um, but I think that that, you know, does it give you a, yes, it absolutely gives you the exposure that you need, but it, does it also um, give you other opportunities to, to engage with people you wouldn't otherwise be able to? This is Events Unpacked, your number one guide to organising a successful event. Would you share with us um, some of the key tools that have enhanced your marketing and events along the way? It's not rocket science. I think making somebody in the business responsible and, and, and the coordinator for that, we didn't actually have somebody that had an events role as a permanent role, but we would nominate somebody that would have final responsibility so that there was a single person that could overview, oversee, sorry, the event itself, make sure that things were, you know, we made the point a little earlier about a theme. Are things aligning to that theme? Is it getting watered down? Um, so I think that's a key thing, particularly if you don't have an agency um, helping you manage that. Often an agency can take that role, but if not, somebody internally that's responsible. I think one of the things that we had is a really good RSVP system. So we weren't relying on emails and somebody checking emails. We had a system where you go in, we could play a trailer and then we could issue um, a couple of tickets or, or make sure that we had recorded who had been in and, and, and made, you know, a really good RSVP system. Which system uh, did you use for that? Do you remember? So we, had, we just had an agency create a bespoke system for us. Um, so uh, I don't I actually don't know yeah, how it's it was hard created, to buy off the shelf ones that are really yeah. effective. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it was particularly expensive. I think it's literally uh, recording um, 
people had engaged and that they got the email it was the first thing and then second to that um that that we had you know we we knew what numbers were coming uh, and we could go in any time and check that and we weren't chasing people yeah that's um, great and and obviously that it looked pretty professional when they came to the site you know they could engage with content i think having simple things like a very good budget set up um, and, and making sure that you've got a bit of fat within that budget and then a run sheet with a minute by minute, you know exactly what's happening. Even if it's a simple event where you've got buyers coming, people speaking and then food, you need to know what is happening minute by minute because people run over, you've got to do organised catering. I think, a bit, again, making someone responsible for that run sheet is really important. Yeah, internal sort of um, internal responsibilities being clearly defined. How do you, you know, we all come, basically you're only as good as your idea and, you know, people, there's so much, you know, there's always so many new ideas in the market, but, you know, a lot of things come obviously from old ideas that are reinvented or people, you know, like to use the word trends. I'm not huge on the word trends, but uh, how do you keep up to date with sort of what are the latest trends and ideas? I think that's one of the, the, the challenges, you know, of marketing in in not just events, you know, and advertising in any area of marketing is to make make sure that you are keeping up with everything because things change so much. Uh, One of the first things is obviously listening to your team and making sure that you've got people from different backgrounds in your team. Where that's not always possible, you know, or your team's smaller, we did use um, agencies sometimes just to pay them for a couple of hours to come in and do a really fast brainstorm, ideate, throw heaps of ideas out. Um, obviously, we give the, the agency a, a day or two to, you know, and a bit of understanding of what the content was. But sometimes you do get a bit stale, and I think that was something that we learned to do. And often we used agencies that we hadn't used before and that might give us some really left-field ideas. Sure. Um, um, and I think then the other areas, you know, things like Mumbrella are quite good to make sure that you're going to some of those events, get out of the office. Everybody's really <laughs> – we can't at the moment. But one of the things I think that I didn't do enough of um, when I was a marketing director at Fox was to get out of the office. Everybody's so busy and has so many meetings. But go and meet with agencies. Go to some of these Mumbrella events. Go and hear people talk because – I think when you're sitting there, it might not be anything to do with your industry, but it might just spark a little thought um, and a little idea that um, you can take back to the business. Yeah, if you thoughtfully choose what you go to, very rarely do you come back from it thinking, oh, that was a waste of time. There's always something that you pick up on, even if it's someone you've met and they've shared an idea with you or through the networking experience. It's like I'm the same. I can end up being a little bit Cinderella, not going to the ball and, you know, because I work (laughs) on creative and strategy and, you know, every time I get myself out there amongst it all to, you know, whether it's a speaker showcase or whether it's a marketing seminar or, you know, an experiential um, talk, you know, you come back and you just, you know, you think, well, that's really great. I've just heard it from another angle, someone who's thinking differently. Um, yeah, so it's really valuable. Yeah, I agree. And I think thoughtfully choose was a good phrase. I'm going to keep to that because then, you you know, don't get away everything, but thoughtfully choose. Thoughtfully choose, yes. Yeah. Right. So um, we're coming to like the, I guess, the, the, the fun part of the interview and I can't interview someone who's worked in the f- sort of film side of the movie industry without asking this question 
about what three films have made a mark on you and why I love this question. It's very hard. I find it very hard to answer this but because uh, I could go on and on, but uh, let's let's hear what you uh, think. I think I think for me there's if I'm looking at it from a work point of view or, or things that have made a mark on me, I always go back to, you know, the movies that you saw as a child, the, the movies that really kind of made you, the, you know, the goosebumps. Um, uh, and, and Star Wars was the first one of those. And, you know, seeing that those special effects and really being uh, in that kind of movie experience and it was something so new and so different. Um, and then I, I got to work on that franchise. And so... Star Wars, even now I can sit down and, and watch it and, and still enjoy it. Um, I, I think for me the other the other movie that did that for me was Avatar. Um, I, I think we knew when we were sitting down and watching that that this is going to be something, again, that changed cinema. Uh, and whilst 3D hasn't been, you know, wasn't necessarily the, what we all kind of thought it might be, that immersive experience did I think give rise to things like an interest in VR and, and really kind of creating a, an amazing world uh, for uh, as a movie, you know? And I think it would be really interesting. Um, hopefully, when these new Avatar movies come out, to see if that do, if that's something that gets people back to the movies. You know, now we're living in an, in an age where people are watching a lot of their content at home. You're going to need something quite a big event. To, to warrant kind of going back to the cinema. So I think Avatar might be that movie. Yeah. And then, you know, Ice Age is always, like my kids have enjoyed Ice Age. Ice Age was the, I think, the movie for me that really I could really own and I I, I, I did a massive campaign on that, as I've talked about. Um, and it's a lovely kind of film. So there's plenty of other uh, romantic comedies that I could have said that oh, I love, but yes. those that have made a mark on me uh, would be those three. Well, it's funny because the three films you've picked are kind of almost a bit of a recipe for success in, a, in creating an event or experience. You've got George Lucas who, you know, did something completely unique, which is, you know, with special effects and no one had done that before and it's very similar to your British telecom, you know, snow <laughs> thing happening, raining, you know, snow snowing down on London. And then and, you know, you've got um, Cameron who did what was probably the first completely immersive feeling when you really went yeah. to the cinema and just in such a magical way, the st- you know, that you know there was excellent storytelling within it as well, which is really important in an event. Um, whether or not you loved the story or not, you couldn't help get blown away by the actual um, immersive feeling. And then lastly, I say don't take yourself too seriously sometimes because the humour in that yeah. is just, you know, it's extremely endearing but also, it, you know, it does have a really great, you know, entertainment, you know, value to it as well. So whether you're a child or an adult, you can enjoy that film, which is, you know, nice, good, broad appeal, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. So great. Well, look, you know, my last, uh, oh, we've got two more questions actually. One, one of them is um, what excites you most about the future of, you know, I guess live marketing and events below the line marketing? I think that you know we 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 there's a lot of news about how um, this current situation is going to impact marketing and working from home and doing things virtually. I I think that people will have missed getting together and sharing ideas, and I think 
that technology will be developed in order to maybe bring events to life in a different way, that they might be able to have a mix of live and virtual. But I do think that people will come out of this with a need and a, and a desire to kind of get together. And I, I'm really interested to, 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 to go to events after this. You know, it's something that you, you don't realise that, yes, we can work from home and we absolutely can connect, but you don't connect in that way where you change ideas and you, you, you kind of get energy from each other. So I think the thing that I'm, you know, really looking forward to is to seeing what will then come out? How will people do events? Yeah, look, I think um, one of the other things that um, it's the balance because we're all gearing up obviously at the moment to produce a lot of events virtually. Uh, event Emporium is, you know, has a whole suite of ways of producing events virtually and what that means is we'll all be so much better at it at the end of it and so we can actually combine, we actually have some events for next year coming up where they are really, you know, 70% or 80% of the event is live, but we now will bring this other virtual part in it, which will extend the event so much further. Um, so yeah. the reach is so much further because, you know, for example, this client has, you know, people around the world, they'll be able to dial in and be part of this event, which is really exciting. So, um, but yeah, I think you're right. People will be busting to hug it out and get um, up close and personal after a long time of uh, not being able to do that and feel each other's energy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. My last question to you is uh, what one piece of advice, because there's probably lots, would you give someone wanting to work in events or live marketing? I think be, you know, as you approach an event, be really clear about what, why you're doing it. And if either when you're taking a brief from a client or when you're looking to do something yourself and if you can't achieve what you're looking to do or because you don't have the, the funds or you, you don't have the access to talent, for example, really question whether or not it's the right way to go. I, the, I think the idea for me is what I've learned from doing a lot of events over the years is be all in. You know, if you're going to do something, invest behind it, put the right budget behind it, be clear about why you're doing it, but be all in. And if you can't be, consider doing something else. Yeah, exactly. The why is really important. And even as you start out in the industry, um, I, you know, I always say to, I guess, junior or interns, question yourself right from the beginning, you know, because um, if you're setting yourself up with that thinking, you'll, you'll be so much more successful as your career moves along. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, it's been great chatting with you and hearing about your career as well as um, your event success in the home movie market, which is such a competitive space. So it's a really good example for people to learn from. Um, how can uh, listeners follow you or even get in touch or, you know, just follow you? So I'm on LinkedIn. So Claire Bryant, look for me on LinkedIn um, and I'd be happy to, to be in touch. Great. And we'll include um, a lot of information on what we spoke about in the show notes so people will be able to, you know, look up the different events and and, and find you on LinkedIn. So, well, that's a wrap. And, um, you know, I really appreciate your time today and look forward to hearing more about you and from you in the future. Fantastic. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Events Unpacked podcast. Head over to francescapescops.com and access all the tools and resources discussed in today's show. That's francescapescops.com. Until the next time, hit subscribe and have a nice day.